the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you're getting ready for Father's Day. I, I usually play uh, Hal Rhodes, the great uh, Irish comic, the uh, headline at the Drury Theater for a long, long time in Dublin. Uh, his uh, My father turned 80 years old today, but I'm not in the studio, so I can't have my good man, Andrew, the technician, uh, uh, key it up for me. So I don't know how to do it from home. <laughs> but uh, please, you know, go on YouTube uh, and uh, hit Hal Roach, and if they, it has it, uh, play it for your father uh, tomorrow. It's uh, It's one of the best, no doubt about it. Anyway, um, I I was trying to think of some great father quotes today, and I I couldn't think of anything. All I know is uh, my father died on Father's Day. (laughs) So uh, it's a rough day for me. Uh, Anyway, we have uh, something going uh, on on our webpage that's very, uh, you know, I, I think this is great stuff because they keep changing the information day in and day out. So if you go to WHK1420, AM, go to local podcast down to, you know, the Smart Investor Show and Tim Hayes, and you go to my webpage. Uh, first of all, you'll see that we won uh, the J.D. Powell, we're number one uh, full-service brokerage firm, and so we've won it like two of the last four years, which is pretty darn good when you think about it, and uh, so I'm a little bit proud of that, but if you go to one of the headlines, uh, by the way, Bob Dickey is in the bulletin board every day. Okay, he has a new chart for you every day, and uh, he talks about the big picture. You know, my job is the little picture. Uh, I do. I read all our research. I read all our research. <laughs> Let me say it again. I read all our research. I also look at thousands of charts every day. So I, I also look at our bond list every day, by the way, too. You know, that takes about 15 minutes, but it's been hard to recommend bonds lately. But uh, we do have something on. If you go to my webpage and go to Insights, uh, It'll bring you uh, to another page, obviously, and it, it'll talk about the first thing is what's driving volatility in the U.S. equity markets. Then it has exploring opportunities in an international market with Alan Robinson, who's an Englishman, and he's quite good. I mean, he's been a great portfolio manager for a long, long time. He's run our international portfolio forever. And then it talked about health and wealth, why investing in your wellness will help you in the future. Obviously, there's some obvious reasons there. Where to find opportunities in a zero interest rate world. So for you people out there looking for fixed income, it's a great piece. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to get set up on our bond list, you know, just hit the contact me and say, Tim, I want to get your bonds, okay? So it does talk about the uh, – we do have a thing on the CARE Act and what it does with charitable giving. Uh, and we also t- – taking stock, the anatomy, the anatomy of the recover, uh, create, creating – Creativity brings human touch to clients during COVID. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Well, you know, why are our U.S. equities rallying? You know, and uh, that that type of thing. So, highly recommend it. You can also get our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list. I've been finding really good ideas on those lists lately. We also have our business owner's guide to transition. And trust me, if you're talking with private equity. They're lowballing your company. <laughs> Give me a call. I can help you out on that. Okay. Uh, also, the Savvy Investor's Credit Handbook, great piece for those, you know, interest rates are the lowest ever in history, folks. What a time to borrow money. We're going to talk about that in a second. Also, our wealth plan and a family inventory workbook. You know, what a great thing to have for your family. You know, if something happens, it's all right there in one place. Your wealth plan is interactive. It's, it's on RBC's program here. Uh, and so you're constant, it's constantly changing. It, it, you don't just... Make a plan and hang with it. You make a plan, and if you make a change on it, it's right attached to your 
you know, to your account page, okay? And if you make a change, I know about it, and we, we talk about it, okay? So there we go. Uh, anyway, um, you know, we, uh, well, here, let's start off. We're just talking about bonds, okay? $1 trillion worth of investment-grade corporate bonds uh, debt sales have been brought to the market in the first 149 days this year. In 2019, a fairly typical year, that figure wasn't reached till the end of November. Now, in March 2020, the issuance of U.S.-denominated investment-grade corporate bonds soared to a record of $268 billion, which surpassed January's uh, 2017, which I think was $193. And we, didn't, we don't have April's final numbers in, uh, but there was a couple deals with the two days left. And they were at $252 billion with three or four days left, so they, they might have passed. I think they did, by the way. Uh, for all you guys that are into environmental, social, and governance-type portfolios, annually, ocean-crossing tankers emit about 125 million tons of CO2 in the atmosphere, as much elect, uh, as the home electricity consumption for, from 21 million re- U.S. residents. That's a lot. <laughs> hey, um, a couple things. Um, I, I got a call uh, from Mike, and Mike said, Tim, could you do me a favor? You talked about some of the themes we talked about. Unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the, the big themes that are emerging out of this uh, scenario with COVID. And unfortunately, if you didn't, you know, Mark Mahaney's interview is no longer on my webpage, folks. Uh, and basically what he was saying, although he did it more eloquently than I could ever, is that what happened in the last three months accelerated the digital process in our society by probably five to ten years. So the, 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 the themes that are emerging is 5G, number one. 5G is, I mean, if you've seen, well, look, you know, we, we had a young lady by the name of Strickland do a, a presentation, and, and we lost contact with her a couple times. CBS, CBS News, twice now has had the East Coast and the, West, and the Midwest not see the show. It just wiped out, okay? CNBC is constantly having people, uh, you know, losing people while they're talking to them. If you look at some of the films on CNBC with some, some very big-time players, it looks like Super 8 film back when I was a kid, okay? So 5G is coming. I'm also supposed to say that it's a live show. you got a question. It's 216 901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Okay, the second thing, we got 5G, is the major themes, touchless technology, family and pets, telemedia, healthcare and wellness. Uh, employees will stay at home. And uh, we talked about pets, okay. And sensitivity to touch. And the other thing is uh, corporate security. Because what we're finding is security is going away <laughs> fairly quickly. So you've got to be careful. Uh, it, you know, you, you've got to be thinking. Uh, I mean, the criminals are out there, folks. Okay. So let's just put it that way. All right. Uh, you know, Lori Calcivina had a piece this week, and I thought it was kind of interesting. She was talking about what the big, big, big uh, players are doing. Okay. So the thing, the big things you need to know, and she analyzed. Uh, the first quarter stock level holdings of 711 actively managed diversified U.S. funds. And uh, she highlighted several well-known names. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who, who they are. We call these large cap uh, funds the lions, the camels, gorillas, and vultures. Are uh, They are outperforming the relative respective be- benchmarks so far this year. So though the trends have been weaker since mid-May, uh, the, you know, we do have a list of rising suns, what we'll call, uh, and, and, you know, energy has dominated our, uh, our setting suns uh, names and stuff like that. So there's a, a, big, a, a big list of names, uh, and I can tell you there, there was a lot of names that were removed, okay? There was a lot of names that were added. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Her, I, I believe this could be sent out if you like a copy. You've got to call me on it, though. Uh, but the, the, the popular names in the large cap funds, uh, they've gone back to a lot of the names that were popular before. However, there's some new names. And energy accounts for 
half of our list of uh, setting sunscreens. Uh, you know, we thought they were down and they, they took off and then came back. So uh, among large tech growth funds, uh, we've seen the best returns in early 2020, but the outperformance has been tougher to come by in the rebound. What you're seeing is some of the value funds come forward is what she's saying in so many words, okay? Now, uh, you know, I've been trying to keep up on co- commodities, and Sam Crittenden is, uh, and uh, Halima Croft are two main people in that. And uh, Halima's on CNBC quite a bit. And look, she thinks, uh, well, basically, bulk commodities were relatively unchanged o- over the week. So, you know, iron ore was up about 0.3% this past week. I, I think, you know, coal was up 02 uh, steel inventories were down, and you're seeing a, a continuing seasonal trend of destocking, uh, destocking right now. Uh, you know, we talked about oil, and there's a, a level, 11 vessels in uh, Darimple Bay. Um, so I, I don't think the oil, the over exaggeration or the oversupply of oil is is going away anytime soon. Now, I did notice that copper had the third straight week. Of being up, and you know, so I I got a question last week. You know, why do you talk about copper? Well, you know, when copper is going up, usually that means that it's the first part of a change in the economic activity to the north. Okay, so there we go. Uh, now I also had a question last week from um, um, uh, it was Billy. So I don't know. It was an email. So I apologize. Uh, I don't know if Billy is a he or a she, um, but anyway, she said, uh, Tim, w- Wall Street seems to be bypassing Main Street. And by the way, we, that was exactly, uh, so you're, you're a straight man, Billy. Uh, that was exactly a piece we put out a couple weeks ago. And you know, look, I think what you've got to understand is Wall Street is six months ahead of Main Street. Okay, so if Wall Street starts to rally, Main Street will rally six months later. That's the way it works. Um you know, because there's some smart, smart minds sharpening their pencil, doing their homework, looking at ideas and saying, hey, these guys are starting, you know, the bottom's starting to come in. So, look, normally equity markets face a wall of worry, and, and there has been a mountain of worry lately. Uh, and, and following the initial steep, you know, COVID sell-off, markets have climbed the mountain successfully. So, uh, you know, look, you got the U.S. index is up uh, 40%. I think the Canadian in- indexes are up the same amount. And with the equity market so buoyant during the economic crisis, uh, inter- induced by the you know the COVID uh, lockdowns, uh, we drift even higher. So now look, investor optimism um, ha- hasn't been there, and that's one of the reasons we're rallying. We're going to talk about uh, you know the lack of investor uh, enthusiasm <laughs> next part of the show. But you know, look, the Federal Reserve has thrown more than the kitchen sink at the severe economic crisis here. So they put $4 trillion to work. They're buying bonds all the time. And when they buy bonds, what they do, they buy them and they give the money to the dealer. That money finds its way into the economy. Okay. So they're doing that. Plus the U.S. government has put $2.2 trillion. So as a government, uh, I think you know, I, I know they're catching a lot of grief, but uh, I think they've done a great job. I think they've done a great job of locking down people to a certain degree, except for, you know, the riots. And, you know, I, don't, I mean, people are protesting and they're not paying attention. So we're, we're getting, a, a, you know, a higher COVID. Uh, uh, well, we're getting more COVID cases because of it, because people weren't taking, um, you know, uh, taking their time, shall we say, okay? So, uh, look, I, I, I'm looking at things, and I've been, I've been looking at companies uh, for a long, long time and trying to figure out exactly where to go. And, you know, I, I base my fundamental research on cash flow. And so what I'm looking for is cash flow, charts, cash flow, or I like to, you know, I find I like to find small caps that are just down and out to trading at book value with a current ratio. If you don't know what a current ratio is, uh, look it up, but current and quick ratios. Quick ratio is kind of like when you're going for a loan, uh, a car loan. When you're you're going for a house loan, they look at your current ratio, which is kind of more like your net worth. Okay, um, but anyway, so we we look at the cash flow, how much cash, how how much little, you know, do they have any debt, you know, that type of thing, uh, and and I think you know, look, there's two companies that stand out that look really really good, and 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 that's industrials and banks. 
However, I do think biotechnology is leading the way, and I'm going to talk more about that next week, okay? So uh, I had a call, uh, and I talked to this gentleman at length, uh, and his name's Wilbur, and he said, Tim, I'm scared to death. And look, Wilbur, I, I'll, I'll say this again to you online, okay? Uh, and I don't, I don't use last names, so don't ask. Look, despite an average interyear drop of 13.9%, U.S. stocks have posted annual returns in 29 of the last 39 years, all right? The average return, uh, unfortunately, due to the, you know, we haven't been to a, a full bull market yet, although I, I think we're in one right now, a secular bull market. Now, in secular bull markets, you had 1987, you had 1990, you had 1998, okay? So you do have bear markets within bull markets. You have bull markets within bear markets. You know, 2005 and six and seven were bull markets within a, a bear market. Anyway, if you look and you, you, you go, to, you know, back to 2019, the average return uh, is down a little bit. It's down to about 7.6%. As a matter of fact, since the bottom, you know, we normally return 15% in a bull market. We're only averaging about 8.2. Uh, you know, and so if, if you're, you're doing better than 8.2. You're doing better than the market overall. If you're in an asset allocation situation, you're probably doing more like four or five. Okay, but just you know, just so you know, if you think long term, if you the chances of you making money in in a one year period are about 20 percent. A five year period it goes up to 38 percent. A seven year period it goes up to 68 percent. A 10 year period it's almost 100 percent. So you, you got to think long term. Now, a lot of people these days are buying and selling, buying and selling, buying and selling. Good luck with that. I think that could be a, a big problem over a long period of time. But I just think, you know, you got to be paying closer attention to uh, what's going on. Now, uh, I'm going to start with a little bit of uh, what Jesse Gun Gunlock said last week. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and then, you know, we'll move on. But, uh, you know, look, I, I think if, if you go to Insights, if you go to WHK 1420, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes, you can go directly to my webpage from there and go to the insights page. And there's some really good stuff there. Also, the bulletin board. Don't forget, uh, you know, a lot of these themes that I've talked about have been on that page. And uh, people, you know, uh, some people I know are going to it pretty regularly. Some people are not. Um, I also think that, you know, people are saying, hey, I can't outperform the stock market. Well, in order to outperform the stock market, what you have to do is have high concentrations in certain areas. And unfortunately, lately, it's been 75 stocks. Usually, that doesn't bode well for uh, those stocks, of, you know, because people, there's too many people in them, okay? So we'll see what happens coming up. Um, you know, but I, I think you've got to be a little bit more careful with those bigger names because eventually they run out of steam. Uh, you know, the Nifty 50 back in the 70s. Back in the 40s was all the, the car companies and all the companies that did business with the car companies. So you got to be fairly careful uh, with most of those. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I think we got to take a break. So we'll be uh, right back in a minute. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Daddy sing bass. Mama sing to all you fathers. Uh, remember, fathers are important. Mothers are real important. Fathers are real important too. So look, I, I had, you know, uh, I want to talk about a couple subjects that I think are important. And look, I, the question right now, I think everybody is asking is with U.S. equities, is the glass half full or is it half empty? <laughs> All right. So the U.S. equity market's mood has swung between enthusiasm and caution over the past month. And, and through central bank intervention, it has been remarkably impactful, by the way. The shape of the economic recovery from COVID is, a, is kind of uncertain, but we look to manage the risk against the backdrop of volatility. So the volatility roller coaster is out there, folks. Okay. Look. Over the past three months, we've had 36 days of a 2% move on the open. I'll tell you what, if you're trying to buy stocks, that's a nightmare. Because if, they, if it sells off 2%, then you're worried. And, you know, do you, 
do you buy that day or do you, does he wait to the next day? You know, that type of thing. It, it, it it's a, uh, I'm mean, look, five of major hitters, Warren Buffett, David Tepper, uh, John Paul Tudor Jones, they didn't buy big here. Sam Druckenmiller, they didn't buy big here. You know, uh, they, they could have made a ton on the way down and a ton on the way back up. And so it, it it's been hard with, with the amount of, uh, you know, volatility. Look, the S&P 500 fell more than 6% in the second week of June. It recorded its, its worst week since March. And many observers blame the Federal Reserve's uh, Jerome Powell for, for suggesting the economic recovery would be a slow one, pouring cold water on the enthusiastic V-shaped recovery that our friend Tom Lee and Funstrack put together. They're also pointed out that the weekly number of initial job claims were discouraging elevate, uh, alleviated at 1.5 million. So that would, um, the Black Lives Matter scenario and everybody, uh, you know, starting to, uh, uh, we'll just say, you know, well, let's put it this way. Look, with this much unemployment, you know, this is what happened in the 60s. We had high unemployment and, you know, we had a very hot summer and the riots occurred. So here we have high unemployment and, you know, some bad things happening and uh, the rest is history. So we'll see. Uh, now, some of the COVID cases may go up, you know, because of the rioting. Um, and we'll see what that happens. But look, the bullish percent turned down this week. It was over 80, as I said, you know, last week. And it, uh, it, it hit 70. It's 71 right now, I think it is. But it was down quite a bit. It was down 10% this week. And we've had some big 10% moves. And so it's been very hard to... Uh, I, I, like I told you, I felt like Linda Blair, you know, with my head turning around, uh, from the exorcist. And I just hope, uh, you know, I don't, green stuff doesn't start coming out of my mouth. Right. But look, I think this is a positive move. And that's what I want to emphasize to you. You know, when you hit 80 on the bullish percent, it's only happened five other times. And in 12 months, we averaged about a 12% return. Now, the other thing that happened this week was the New York Stock Exchange advanced decline ratio hit 70 on June 8th for the eighth time since 1965. Uh, as a refresher, this indicator is similar to the New York Stock Exchange high-low index reading, and it measures the relative participation to the upside for stocks on the New York Stock Exchange. However, instead of calculating new 52-week highs and lows, what it simply takes the number of advancing issues divided by the number of declining issues. Okay. So the read, you know, uh, it's like a, you, you smooth it out to a 10 day moving average is what it comes down to. Okay. So this hit 70 this week. And, uh, you know, the last time this happened was right at the end of 2018. Okay. Remember we had the big sell off going into Christmas and I kept saying, don't get too bearish. Don't get, get too bearish. We had the big move up the first, two weeks of 2019. That was the last time this happened. And we had a great market from there on in. Uh, I know we had a little bit of sell-off, but look, uh, I, I want to talk about this because when this has occurred, you know, norm, normally uh, after one week, the average has been three quarters of a point move. After one month, it's been five and a half. After three months, it's been 10. After uh, six months, it's been 20. After nine nine months, it's been 19. After one year, it's been 21. After two years, it's been 28%. This comes from our friends Dorsey Wright, by the way. Uh, it was in their Friday edition. Uh, so I think that's a very, very important uh, scenario. So for those of you who are getting, uh, you know, uh, negative, I don't think today's the day to do that, okay? So I'll just leave it at that again. And you know, there was an interesting article by Martin Pring this week. Well, let me just let me step back. Um, this is a live show. You got a question? It's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Jeffrey Gunlack this week. Uh, so, some people call, t- titled him Superman because his focus, uh, his total bond, you know, his uh, double line total return bond fund has done quite well. Uh, he thinks the exceptional U.S. performance is due to a group of companies he called the Super Six. And I, I'll leave those up to your imagination. Uh, but he, he thinks that the dominance of those six stocks could lead regulators to break them up. But he also thinks that there's a good chance, um, you know, Biden has talked about taxing them, which it might be even worse. So uh, 
But he, he thinks that, it, you know, U.S.'s exceptionalism may be going away. Now, who knows, you know, but uh, look, uh, 1998 was a uh, was an interesting year. And um, there's a thing by Martin Pring, and he talks about the decennial cycle with years ending in zero. And usually what he said, basically, uh, and I'll just sum it up, uh, you know, Marty's a pretty smart guy. He, he pointed out that, yeah, I don't know if it's uh, several factors that occur, but they seem to have the same thing going for him. So what you have is the beginning of the year uh, starts out well, and then it gets, then you get whacked, and then you go sideways for a while, and then the end of the year turns out to be uh, a big, big time. So, um, you know, what, what's interesting uh, is that if you look at industrial production, you know, we did have a multi-year trend line violation. All right, so that's what he's that's what he's he's particularly worried about. But you know, it doesn't always happen that way. So uh, anyway, uh, one of the th- there's a couple articles. You know, one by uh, Bob Dickey this week, and one uh, by Rob Schleimer, and they talked about sentiment. And if you look, um, you know, look, there's there's two that are common. There's the American Association of Individual Investors and Investors Intelligence. And they can be helpful uh, to get inside, you know, investors' heads. What are they thinking? How are they positioned? Uh, but there's also, uh, you know, a couple that uh, Bob Schleimer looks at. He looks at the, um, the, the NAAIM exposure index. And this is just an institutional index. It tells you how exposed they are to the market. And usually in bull markets, uh, you know, these guys are over 100%. What's interesting right now is that they're just at 86, so there's more room to go. And the RIDEX index, which is our, you know, our reverse index, is it is a very extreme bull, extremely bullish reading right now. So um, it's, it's, it's actually similar to where you see at late stages of bull markets, like in, you know, late 2017 or early 2019 and, uh, you know, that type of thing. So, there are sentiments out there that are, uh, you know, still negative, very, very negative. And um, look, we've been talking about it for a while now, and, and I've been putting a lot of money to work into this area. Now, I've been looking for companies that already have a, uh, approvals uh, on, on some of their products. But look, if you look at the Dow Jones, we, we've had the, the Dow has been kind of trending down for the last, you know, couple of days, whatever. Uh, anyway, um, the what, what you're finding is is uh, the biotech in industry is breaking out in a big way, and the money flow is significant. So I'll just you know leave leave that. And uh, uh, also, uh, yeah, let's see. Well, no, I'll just I'll just suggest that the the, the money is is uh, there and it's and it's coming. You know, p- people are paying attention. Let's put it that way, okay? Uh, I think that if, you know, if, if I were uh, an investor, what I would be doing is I'd be looking uh, very closely at that at that group. Um, it seems to me that, that that is an area where a lot of people have uh, forgotten about, uh, uh, you know, because they, they went into a bear market for about five years. So it's a group that I think is very important, and they're starting to lift off, and I think uh, you know, a lot of people are not paying attention to them. Uh, but, you know, look, uh, I, I'm telling you, our, our two analysts have hit the home, home run in that area. Probably I, before Christmas, I had like four or five stocks that went up fourfold uh, in, in a very short period of time. Now, I'm not saying everything's going to do that. But, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, our Mr. Abrams and uh, has really done a great job. And he's, he's been a top analyst for some time now. So. Uh, you know, you just got to remember that these guys uh, have been around the block for a while. Anyway, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Find a girl, settle down. If you want, you can marry. Look at me. I am Little Jimi Hendrix uh, before Father's Day. Yeah, <laughs> too bad uh, he's not still around. I'd love to hear him. But he, uh, I'm a guitarist, so uh, I'm not a guitar- great guitarist. I'm a I like to play guitar. Uh, anyway, once again, 
Live show, 216-901-0945. It's got a question, 216-901-0945. And I would uh, direct you that, you know, uh, we do have something called the Dividend Growth Portfolio, which is great for you people who are 30, 40, 50, and are, you know, dividend reinvestment is a great way to compound and get rich, folks. Uh, the prime income list is great also for that because there's some really, you know, the prime income list is more of a, you know, high dividend portfolio, but a lot of these names have made me a lot of money over time. Uh, so that's great for both people who are 30, 40, or 50 who are trying to make uh, a lot of money over a period of time, and also uh, people who are retired. Remember, dividend income is taxed at 15%. Bonds are taxed at regular income. CDs are, are taxed at regular income, so don't forget that. But if you'd like to get at either one of those, go to our webpage, you know, at that's WHK1420. Go down to local podcast, Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. Remember, we hit uh, J.D. Power's number one uh, full-service broker in customer satisfaction. It's two of the last four years, by the way, if anybody's counting. And we've got some good stuff on there. I talked about the uh, the insights page and uh, also Bob Dickey's on there. We've got a lot of different notebooks that you can get, too. In the meantime, uh, you know, this is where we talk about the bullish percent. And it, something interesting happened today, uh, this week. And I, I thought uh, I was looking at the S&P 500 versus the Russell 2000 ETF. Okay, so these are both ETFs on a relative strength basis. And for the first time in four years, the Russell, I mean, this hasn't happened since 2013, really, for any length of time. The Russell took over the relative strength game, all right? So that's kind of interesting. But we do talk about the bullish percent, and this is basically what the bullish percent is. Was uh, It was designed by Ernie Staby, and what it does is look at the entire New York Stock Exchange. And then it looks at the over-counter index, and then it looks at the world index. And it, it judges how many co- companies are on a point-and-figure buy signal. And when that, it, so they measure from 0 to 100%, and when it gets over 70 that's in the red zone. That's when it's too hot to handle, okay? Usually, that's when you should be frightened, all right? When you get below 30%, that's the green zone. Remember, back on uh, April 1st, we were at five. We were at five. I mean, low-risk environment. And by the way, uh, there was more money sold by retail investors at that time than at any other time in history. And then uh, people are staying home. They're day trading, and that, that could end badly, I think. Anyway, so... This week, remember, we were over 80 last week. I uh, didn't stay there long. The shortest period of time, over 80 ever. Uh, I think that's due to volatility in computers, though. We were down 10 for the week. We're at 71. We did do it, go into a column of O's. Column of X's means we have the offensive team on the field. Column of O's, we have the defensive team on the field. doesn't mean you have to sell your whole portfolio, folks. It just means you've got to be more aware of your portfolio. You've got to be monitoring it. I'm looking at 20, 30, 40 accounts a day, making sure that everybody's, you know, taken care of. I look at everybody's account every week just because I want to make sure. I also look at all my positions. Uh, you know, I chart I chart them. So it's it's important that now's the time to be alert. All right. So look, we're over 70. Moves from over 70 to under 70 usually are pretty dramatic on the downside. The over-the-counter index is was is an O's at 55. It was down 5%. It never really got that high though. Okay, so, uh, you know, it, it wasn't in the 80 category. And same with the international market. It was down 9 to 50, so it didn't get to the 70s market. But, but look, remember what I, I suggested, that uh, after hitting 80, the next 12 months are pretty good. After hitting 70 on the New York Stock Exchange uh, advanced decline line, you usually have a good 12 months after that. Usually there's a hard, fast sell-off or a sell-off where they take a different stock out behind the barn and shoot it every day, okay? So, uh, look, all the major bullish percents have reversed into a column of O's. This is when you should be paying closer attention to your portfolio, okay? Uh, when the bullish percent reserves down from 80, now I think it resides at, you know, 71. Uh, if it breaks 70, you should be paying even closer attention, okay? So, now, I looked at domestic... Uh, uh, asset level investing that our friends Dorsey Wright, who also provides us with a bullish percent, by the way, they, they, I read their stuff every day, great stuff. Uh, the NASDAQ took them over just recently, but they still say you should be in cap weighted versus equal weighted. That has 
This, that's been a big change in the last two years uh, that did not occur for a long time. Uh, large cap growth, mid cap growth, and small cap growth are one, two, three. Uh, the top performing group is energy. Energy. Hmm. So, you know, when I talked about negative $40 oil, <laughs> so they were paying you to keep your oil, okay, uh, three weeks ago. That was capitulation. I mentioned that on the show. So uh, technology has become number two, consumer secular number three. Healthcare, which faded a little bit, really, I saw the money flows this week. Healthcare got the largest amount of money flows, and energy was number two. And then uh, uh, communication services, which has been pretty constant where it is, number five. Um, so healthcare, uh, I thought, and, and utilities were removed from the FV, which is uh, – the, the, the Fab Five, I call it, from First Trust, uh, which is interesting because I think healthcare is just about to get some more money coming into it. Um, the energy sector was the hardest hit in the recent downturn, as the uh, the shares of XN fell more than fell from sixty percent down to three. I think. Um, anyway, it, it's interesting to see uh, if, if you do look at that First Trust FB, that's an ETF. It's it's, it's plus. 4% this year, where the S&P is down 3 still, or down 4 now, I guess. So um, uh, our friends at First Trust do great work, by the way, so I'll just say that. Now, the one thing I noticed is I looked at all the the, uh, the different uh, charts out there, and for the most part, the domestic equities are on positive trends. The only thing I saw that was really negative, even the foreign uh, group, by the way, some of the foreign groups have outperformed the S&P 500 this year. Just so you know, you know, we, we were talking about foreign stocks back in January and people give me a hard time. But no, it, 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 they have. But all are in positive trends. But they've been in positive trends and the weekly momentum has been positive for 10 weeks now. So it'll be interesting to see if, if you know, uh, it stays that way. But it was a negative week across the board for most of the market funds uh, covered in, in uh, you know, my stuff anyway. Uh, the, the worst was the small cap index. So the small cap index was down 5%, yet it still is on a relative strength buy signal compared to the S&P 500. Now, that's interesting. So now I did notice the mid caps, uh, you know, they reversed up. Now, they've got some resistance. You know, they're, uh, I'm just looking at the, the, the Dow Jones mid cap, okay? They got some resistance at 194 and then 210, which was the top back in uh, uh, February. So uh, we'll, we'll look to see what happens there. Uh, as far as uh, bullish percents, uh, you know, we have 26 groups now that are favored. Remember last year, I was very concerned because we only had 11 groups that were favored at the highest. Most of the time, it was six to eight. This is much more positive, so it's spread out. The advanced decline line is breaking out. So let's talk about the, just the favored sectors now. And what I'm going to do is talk about the most overbought, and then I'm going to move down. Real estate is the most overbought. It's at 84 Gaming and aerospace are at 74. At 70 are internet, protection services, housing, and semiconductors. Uh, so, you know, these are all weights. All those groups I just talked about, you should wait for, okay? In, in the 65 area is automobiles, building, business uh, products, uh, media, and financials. I'd still wait on those. Uh, chemicals. Software, machinery, textile, leisure, restaurants, electronic pr uh, products, steel, electric utilities, oil, and non-ferrous metals are at 60. I'd still wait on those two. And then at 55, where you could pick individual groups, drugs, uh, telephones, uh, you know, the uh, communications, we'll call it, computers, oil services, force and paper products, and retail. Then at 44, biotechnology, you know, that went surging forward, and they, they gave it back in healthcare at 40. I think uh, with the riots and all the people that have unmasked themselves, I think you're going to see a surge, and I bet you there's a big move back in there. So uh, I only saw, I believe, one group that really made any major change this week, um, and th that is uh, gas utilities just went back to average. So now on the international equity area, I thought it was interesting um, – you know, Chinese authorities in Beijing uh, increased the city's COVID-19 alert big time. But, you know, I, I was looking at the at some of the charts and, uh, you know, if you want to pick up on the Internet activity across China, there are several ETFs that are available for that. Um, 
you know, and, and I think that's kind of interesting. I, I've got the names I can't, you know, I'm not going to mention them on the show, but I've got three that look really, really good. Uh, and it's a, they, they've backed off right to the perfect spot, you know, to, to be buying them. So uh, now if, if you look at fixed income for all those guys looking for stocks, I think convertible bonds are still the case. And I've got one group that does convertible bonds better than anybody. Now, there's there's also a couple ETFs out there. Um, I think these guys do better than the ETFs, so I'll just mention that. They have a couple ETFs out there, which are, are, are good, too. So, um, But uh, if you, the convertible bond area is still number one. And all a convertible bond is is a, is a bond that turns into a stock eventually, okay? Uh, so they come out usually with a $1,000 par value, and they may, you know, the bond may be redeemable for 50 shares of stock or 200 shares of stock, et cetera. Okay. So, uh, it, they have much nicer yields than just the, the actual, uh, thing. Now, as far as, uh, uh, commodities are concerned, oil has been positive for eight weeks. Be careful there. Gold has been negative for six weeks. So that should be real interesting. One that's interesting to me is lumber. It would break 380. Uh, it'll be quadruple top. And lumber, you know, people are starting to say that uh, people need housing. Okay, so relative strength buys, you know, relative strength is just uh, how is something that's performing uh, as compared to something else. And this is the equal weight uh, S&P 500, Apollo Investment Corp, Encore, EZ Corp, uh, Auto Holdings, uh, Sutter Rock Capital, Chinese Finance, Lakeland Industries, Metafast, Pros Holding, Midcon Energy, StarTech, Superior Plus, uh, Rada Electronics, Tillys, Spirit uh, Re- Realty Capital, and uh, Yeti Holdings. Uh, some cells are AES Corporation, Rite Aid, Seabird Financial, uh, Collegium Pharmaceuticals, Neuro Neurobow Pharmaceuticals, Forte Biofarm, and Rite Aid. So, uh, you know, those are something you want to be very, very careful with. Once again, uh, we're going to take a break here, but uh, the call-in line is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back with Insiders. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, what we're going to talk about now is... uh, our our friends in the insiders, okay, They're the guys that know the companies better than we do, and it's important that you pay attention here because, you know, what we've done is we've talked about the economy, we've talked about, uh, you know, some technical indicators that said, hey, this is positive, which I think, you know, we're in a positive state of mind. Although the next couple of weeks may be a little bit exciting, um, and now, you know, then we went to relative strength buys. Now these are companies that. You know, somebody's buying them for a certain reason, but they're outperforming the S&P 500 equal weight index. Uh, those are the stocks you want to be in. Now we're looking at the insiders. These guys tend to be early. We're just looking at big buys now, okay? We're not, we're not jumping all over the place. We're, we're just buying the big stuff, okay? Now, uh, first of all, we, you know, there's a company called Cairo Farm Therapeutics where there was eight insider buys, okay? So that's a good positive thing that happens. Um, I did notice that they they uh, they bought fairly aggressively, um, you know, in a, well, this is about a week ago. Um, but the the CEO, uh, several other guys uh, bought and sold some stock, but they they actually used their uh, uh, options and sold part of them and kept the rest, and that's always a good sign. Also, a company called Intercellular Therapeutics. Uh, we had one, two, three, four, uh, four insider buys with uh, substantial, about, you know, 20,000 shares each of a $25 stock, so uh, that's, a, that's a big positive. Um, now, we also had another pharmaceutical, a, a biotech, is Fate Therapeutics. We had... Uh, a, a, a director by 1.4 million shares. That ain't that chump change. By the way, that's Red Mile Group LLC. They're a direct. They're, they have someone on the on the board of directors. They are a very smart healthcare oriented hedge fund. Uh, they bought 39, or let's just call it 40 million. And then another insurance company. Remember, we had a, Athena 
uh, buy. We had a couple of big buys in Athena last week. And this week we have Axis Capital Corp. Uh, their property casually out of Bermuda. But uh, Charles Davis bought uh, $17 million, then 16, uh, 15.7, then 14.1, and then he bought another uh, eight. Well, I'll just call it nine. Uh, and, and then, uh, well, I think that's, uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, quite a few shares. Uh, one, one director, and if you uh, look up Mr. Davis, I think you'd find an impressive resume. Um, the AES Corporation is utilities, and uh, it, this is the second buy from Jeff uh, Eubin, and he bought 500,000 shares at this, uh, with about a $6.1 million uh, scenario. And KNA Holdings, which is in restaurants, uh, Frank uh, Mattery, he's a director, bought um, – $5 million worth. But then we had uh, Richard Macy, uh, who bought a uh, million dollars worth, and then Richard Cox. The reason I like him is he's a CFO. I love when the numbers guys buy. He bought a million dollars worth. And then uh, Brent Beckett, who's the president, bought a million dollars worth. So uh, quite a few. And then uh, Frank Wiley bought $500,000 worth. Then Erica Meinhardt, another director, bought $500,000 worth. So, you know, um, quite a few uh, buyers there. Um, now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, liquidity services, and I noticed that Bill uh, Angrick, he's the chairman of the board, bought $370,000 worth, three hundred sixty, then 358 then 350 uh then he came back and bought 320 and then another 300,000. Remember, there was about eight buyers just a week or so ago. So something's obviously happening at uh, liquidity services. It's obviously good. Uh, and, and then uh, one of the things that the first, uh, I'd like to look at the first new insider buy for a while. And Bristol Myers hasn't had anybody buy anything, uh, but Dinesh Pawal, uh, Palawal. Uh, bought half a million dollars worth of stock. So it's the first insider buy for a while. And we also like to uh, uh, look at guys that are pretty smart. And Lachlan Murdoch, who uh, took over for his father, as you may know, as CEO of Fox, uh, bought $2.873 million worth of uh, stock. Here's another thing for you soccer fans. Uh, Abram Glazer, who's uh, part of the Glazer family that owns Arsenal, my favorite team, um, bought uh, quite a bit of... Uh, HC2 Holdings, a telecom company, around four bucks. Uh, so he bought 1.9 million, then he bought 1.6 million, uh, and then he uh, bought 400,000. Oh, no, here, uh, no, I'm sorry. Mike, uh, th- this was, uh, I thought it was still uh, Mr. Glazer, but Mike uh, Gravel bought uh, $250,000 uh, of it too. So, um, you know, that's, that's good. Uh, also, Jack Schuler, you know, who used to be the CEO, COO of Abbott Laboratories, bought more uh, accelerated diagnostics, AXDX is the symbol. So he continues to buy the stock, and he just bought another two, $2 million worth this week. Um, and on the 15th, he bought 941000 and then he bought uh, uh, 1.1 and 1.2 again. So he, he's been buying it basically every day. So... Uh, you know, he, he does know the healthcare industry extremely, extremely well. So um, now I, I do think that uh, one of the things that people are not paying attention to are, and, and, and this is something that I think with, with insiders is, is unfortunately the insider radio, uh, ratio. Um, there's been a lot of sellers, folks. I mean, uh, I got more, much, many more sellers than buyers at this point. Uh, you know, so I, I think that uh, uh, the ratio has gone the wrong way. Uh, but that doesn't mean, I mean, look, we've had a heck of a run. You know, I mean, we're up 40% from the bottom. Now we're down 37% from the top. So, uh, you know, it's, it, you've got to make up a lot from a bottom like that. But look, uh, the major indexes appear to have peaked. I think after a, a, a speculative period where uh, the activity in some of the low price stocks and call option buying may have topped out after the 40% recovery. So now I expect some, uh, you know, more work ahead of the markets where they could trade in a wider range for the next several months, but uh, still be quite volatile within the ranges as the news continues to be unsettling for the markets. So, uh, you know, look, Apple closed a few stores uh, on Friday. 
uh, because, uh, you know, the, the rioters increased the number of COVID patients out there. Uh, I think there's been some, you know, things, you know, where people are not paying attention that we're still in a pandemic and, and, you know, so we're, we're still getting some bad news. So I, th- I think you'll have timely entry points that will likely be created along this way. Okay. So I think you've got to start to, uh, you know, you, you got to think buying on down days versus chasing things right at the moment, okay? So, uh, look, I think the market could continue to be especially volatile this week and the next month maybe. Uh, Remember summer, you know, summertime, people are going to start to take some time off, Uh, you know, sit in their backyard. I know the 4th of July, I probably will be sitting around doing nothing. Uh, So I I think, you know, the pace could slow down a little bit, which would be all right with Tim, (laughs) be quite frank with you. Uh, but the volatility is a cycle that moves from high to low, and eventually we think the current cycle of higher volatility will die down. In the meantime, the indexes are at kind of at a resistance level, and there's so you know we've got support around you know 21,800 level, and, and uh, well, let's call it 22,000, and, and we got some resistance to 26,000. So we'll probably trade in that range and start to build a base. Uh, over time, and I think that uh, you know it, it, it'll, it'll be something that you'll you want to pay attention to. I do think we're going to see some you know look the put to call ratio is still too low. That's not a good sign. So we we could be peaking near term. Just remember that the bullish percents in a column of O's. Be careful. In the meantime, go to dub, go to WHK fourteen twenty. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show. Tim Hayes goes directly to my webpage. If you go to the Insight, there's plenty of good ideas to, to, to read about, okay? There's plenty of things to think about in that thing. The bulletin board has Bob Dickey every day. It has market updates. It's got a good thing on interest rates. Remember, you can, you can just hit contact me, and if you're a business owner and you're getting to sell your business, first of all, private equity, going to try to hit you cheap. There's other people out there buying businesses. They'll give you more for your money. But this helps you transition. The Family Inventory Workbook, uh, and, and the Wealth Plan. The Wealth Plan is interactive. When you do business with me, you can look at your Wealth Plan. You, you make a change on it. I know about it. Okay? It doesn't take but 10 minutes, and I know about it. Then we can have a discussion because Wealth Plans are not just a piece of paper. They're a constantly changing scenario. So the Credit Access Book, uh, you know, Credit Access Lines, what a great time to, buy, to use credit. The lowest interest rates in history. Uh, the Savvy Investors handbook to credit that's there don't forget the dividend growth list and the prime income list that's some good stuff too i'm going to be talking about adrs next week i think because uh, uh alan robinson has a very good piece out but in the meantime it's a beautiful weekend get out there we, I mean, we had it snowed three times in may <laughs> get out there enjoy it okay uh this is the smart investor show i'm tim hayes remember buy low and sell high Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.